Okay, let's open a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, dear Lord, so much for your wonderful blessing to us. Thank you, Father, for working in our hearts and working in our lives. Thank you for the days also that we are living in, dear Lord. Though they are challenging, I know, dear Father, there is a purpose in them and for them. I pray, dear Lord, for those who would hear the message this morning, that the sermon would impact their hearts and their lives and that there would be in them a choice for a change. I ask you, dear Lord, watch over us and bless us in your wonderful name, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, good morning, and good morning to those of you that are, that are joining us uh, on the live stream. I um, can only pray that this morning's message would be a, would be a blessing to you. Um, it was certainly one that, uh, that I went before the Lord with, with uh, regards to thinking about um, <laughs> the times that we're living in, but also uh, what it is he would have me to, to deal with and preach. So the message may be a little bit longer than the usual one, but not by much, uh, but I hope and pray that it would be just a moment in, in your minds and hearts. So... Um, I've taken. I've decided to take another sort, short excursion away from Romans. So close to finishing that book, but uh, but there were things this week that um, that had me um, make that decision to move away just just for a couple of weeks, just to focus our attention and also to to steer us in a direction that might uh, help us deal with um, with the days that we're living in. Um, this sermon, this morning's sermon, is going to take a bit of a journey. It's going to take a journey from where we are um, to where the Lord would have us to be. Um, it's a journey that's really designed for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's for us to make a choice. Um, it's it's a time to choose, and that's that's the title of the of the sermon this morning: a time to choose. Um, whether we are going to be dedicating ourselves in the hope of this life and in this world and getting our comfort from this world and this world's goods, trusting that man can somehow provide it for us, trusting that, that somehow the world can provide us this hope and this joy, or we are going to obtain it from the Lord. We've got a choice to make, and it's time for all of us to choose because um, I, I just fear that we are going to be otherwise disappointed. We have a purpose we were created for a purpose. We were created for a reason. Um, the Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them, in Ephesians 2. We're going to be looking at the politics of today in just one point. So I'm not going to be dwelling on it, but it's only one point. Um, and I'm going to be briefly speaking about the king of Victoria, the king of this state, and you're going to be able to tell from the beginning that the assessment of him is not going to be a positive one. Um, I'm also going to be speaking about uh, our misplaced affections, um, that we are the children of God. Um, I'm going to be pointing out that if our affections are towards this world, then those affections are misplaced. Um, I'm also going to be confirming that God is God. Um, that it is him we are to have as our trust and as our hope and not man. And lastly, I'm going to give you an opportunity to choose this day who you will serve. Um, the focus of the message 
will relate to really the desires of your heart and where they're placed. Um, are you setting your treasures in, in this world? Are you setting your treasures in this life? Are you looking for your own comforts and your own satisfactions and your own joys? Or are they going to be placed, placed in the Lord for the benefit of others? That others may have the joy and the hope that you have. Um, where are those affections placed? Where do you think you're going to find the greatest comfort in, in your life? You know, um, So this day and today is going to be a time to choose. We are going to be looking at a passage in 1 Kings. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 Kings and chapter 18. 1 Kings and chapter 18. Uh, did I pray? Did I? Sure? Oh, okay. All right. Good. Pray. I oh, know I prayed, but did I pray? I did pray here? Okay. Just checking. Just wanted to make sure. First Kings chapter 18. Now, firstly, I want to set the scene for you. Before we read the passage in chapter 18, we're going to be taking our passage from verses 21 to 40. But before we read that, I want you, I want you to... I need to set the scene. Okay? Uh, so... If you turn back one chapter to chapter 17, chapter 17, and we'll just have a look at the first four verses. Um, So chapter 17, verses 1 to 4. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So we see historically that... that, Excellent. Can I ask to grab a bit of water, please? We're going to, we see historically that the portion of the text um, is set during the reign of King Ahab, um, the king of Israel. He is the husband of the infamous Jezebel. We've all heard of Jezebel. So this is her husband. Elijah was the prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel and is one of the most famous prophets in the Old, in the Old Testament. Ahab the king was evil. As were all the kings of Israel, there were 19 of them in Israel, all of the kings were evil. There were none that were good. They were all evil. But, but, he seemed to have stood out above everybody that was before him. He was the most evil of them all, and we'll, we'll have a look at that. Ahab didn't worship the Lord, but fell to the worship of Baal. Thank you. Um, he didn't worship the Lord, he worshipped Baal. He worshipped, and, uh, and this is the God of his wife Jezebel, and as a result, as a direct result of that, the people of Israel suffered. Um, they suffered under the false worship of its head, and much of the people also accepted his, his government. Um, there were 450 prophets of Baal, and um, they were all sustained by the people. The people looked after them and sustained them. They were the 450 prophets that appear in the passage in chapter 18. 
Interestingly, God had pronounced a curse upon the land. There would be no rain that would fall because of the evil of Ahab. But God would provide still for Elijah. We see that in the text. God would sustain him and instructed him where he was to go. Now, a note on Baal worship. Baal was the god of the Canaanites, historically. He's known as the storm god or the bringer of rain. Um, Of the pantheon of gods worshipped by the Canaanites, Baal was the chief. Um, And the people traditionally behaved within a range of uh, sexual debauchery in the name of Baal, believing that the multitude of their perverse acts would increase the sexual skill of Baal and result in increasing fertility for the land. That's what they believed. It's amazing the excuses that we use, you know. Yeah, we need to do this because we need corn, you know, and good crop. You know, I don't know how that works, but that's, that's never, never underestimate man's ability to rationalise anything. Um, in short, their hope was a false comfort and their affections were misplaced. Okay. Interestingly, the Lord here pronounces a very curse upon that same God. It was the God of rain. God would withhold the rain. Okay. And he would withhold the rain and, and we will find that it was for a period of three years. Now in the 18th chapter, this is the third year of the drought. It was now a time to choose, a time for the people to choose. God sends Elijah the Tishbite to Ahab with the promise that he's going to bring rain upon the earth in First Kings chapter 18, verse 1. Now we're going to be taking up our text in verse 21 and the focus of the sermon today is only verse 21, but I have to read the entire passage for us to be able to get it into, into context and you'll be able to see the need of that as we go through it. First Kings chapter, did I say 18? 19. Is it? I did say 18, didn't I? 19 verses 21 to 40. Does, does verse 21, sorry, I haven't forgot to bring my Bible. Does it begin, sorry? So it begins with, and Elijah came unto all the people. 19? That's 18. Okay. 18. I was right the first time. Sorry. First Kings chapter 18, verse 21 to 40. We're going to be reading. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leapt upon the altar which was made, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them. And said, cry aloud, for he is a God, 
Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awaked. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets until the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midnight was past, that, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening, evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice on the wood and on the wood. And he said, do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran about the altar. And he filled the trenches also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. It's quite an amazing account, isn't it? I don't know how many, if you've, um, if you've seen that uh, or read that very often, but it's, a, uh, it's an incredible account of some things that are going on. But it's also an account that seems to be pertinent for us today. Um, we have lived all our days until this day somewhat in the hope of a, of a prosperous life in this life. Um, and this is natural. This is natural for those that are in the world, but it's, it's not necessarily natural for those of us who have been called to serve the Lord. Uh, that's, that's not where our affections should lie. Um, the church in the West is well known for the hold this world has on it. Um, the church of the West has long been indistinguishable from the world in a really large way. Uh, rather than obeying the commands of the Lord to preach the gospel to the lost uh, and to prosper them for eternal life, we have sort of focused a lot on our own selves. And um, the preaching you know, and, the, and, and sharing of the gospel is sort of a side issue. If it seems to come up, we'll employ it. If it doesn't come up, then we won't. Sometimes it does come up and we still won't. Um, we find ourselves looking after for our own comforts of this life's goods rather than worrying about the promises for others that they may have hope. Um, so we've largely neglected the gospel to the lost and in doing so, we've ensured two things. One, the damnation of the lost. If they don't hear the gospel, where are they going to hear of the salvation of the Lord? 
If they don't hear the, the, the hope of everlasting life from your lips, where are they going to hear it from? And two, the proliferation of evil in the world. If we're not sharing the gospel with people that they might have hope and that they are converted and they come to the Lord Jesus Christ and they are transformed from the inside, then they are going to go the natural course of this world and that is to more and more evil. And we can see evidence of that today. To a varying degree individually, um, this, this, this is true. Uh, but overall, and on the whole, we've got to admit to having a certain amount of responsibility to the evil that, that's, that's in the world because of our, perhaps our misplaced affections. The time that we're living in at the moment is known as the Laodicean age. It's the Laodicean church age. Turn your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 3. And there's something that you're going to be seeing there very interesting. Revelation chapter 3, chapters 2 and 3 speaks about the seven letters to the seven churches. They are, in effect, um, the report card that Jesus is given to all the churches, right? These seven churches are incredible. There's so much. And if you want to learn more about it, please turn to my sermon series on the seven churches of Revelation and, uh, and have a look at that to get a good breakdown on all of these different churches. Revelation chapter 3 speaks of the last church. Interestingly, each one of those seven churches line up historically in fitting a certain timeline. They were churches that were prominent in those particular days, and they are in an order. There's so many things about it. Summary. Seven churches, they were actual churches in Asia Minor, in, in Turkey. The churches were historical as uh, historical churches. They were historical as types of churches, and they were historical as churches who had a certain uh, that certain level of prominence, and they fit chronologically. They also fit geologically. So when you are actually taking your travel from one church to another to another to another to another, you actually followed a perfect uh, a perfect uh, line all the way around until you get to the last church. We are in the timeline of the final church. And it's easy to identify by this passage. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14 begins it. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him. And he with me, to him that overcometh, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down in my, with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. This is the time that we're living in today, and the people of Israel worshipped false gods, and they were living in 
in a way that is similar to how we are living today. They were trusting in a false comfort, just as much of the church today is trusting in a false comfort, thinking that it's increased with goods and it's rich and it has need of nothing, including the Lord, including the Lord. Um, they believe that the Lord is there, but they believe that it's the Lord that's prospering them, and they believe that that prosperity is an identification of the Lord doing the work. But there's no guarantee that that's actually true. I want to put something for you today that the false god of rain that Israel were worshipping brought them drought. Brought them drought. Because the god of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob said so. In other words, their true god pronounced a curse upon their false god. Their true god showed them the error of their ways and now it was time to choose. And I believe in a very strong way we are seeing something like that happening today. Our true God is actually pronouncing that same curse upon the false God that we may have been trying to gain our comfort from and our rest from and our peace from to help us see, to help us choose who we're going to be serving. There's a revelation happening within us today that we are seeing whether or not our hope might be misplaced. Who will you serve? What choices will you make? Let's have a look at the choice that presents themselves. The first point here is an evil king. Oh, yeah, that was by introduction. Um, sorry. Um, an evil king. So we're going to be staying with the first book, the first book of Kings, but uh, turn to chapter 16. Turn to chapter 16. Ahab was introduced to us at the end of 1 Kings 16. And in verse 29 is where we see him introduced. Have a look how the Lord um, how the Lord refers to him here. So if I get you to scatter anywhere else in the Bible, just keep one finger in First Kings, and we'll be we'll be able to get back there. First Kings 16. Have a look at verse 29. It says there, and in the thirty and eighth year of Asa. King of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And just in case we miss the significance of the extent of his evil, we've got it confirmed in verse 33. Have a look at verse 33. And Ahab made a grove. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. Unlike us today, the, the people did not directly choose their king. The people did not directly choose their king. Nevertheless, God always gave them kings that were in accord with their own affections, with their own desires. In Israel, the northern kingdom, so you remember the, 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 the nation of Israel split ten of the, no, the tribes stayed north and there was two tribes that stayed south. So when you're reading your Old Testament, especially in the book of Kings, you'll often have uh, you know, the people of the nation of Israel and the people of the nation of Judah. So Judah and Israel are, are, are distinct one from another. And in Israel, there were 19 kings. All of them were evil. In Judah, there were 19 kings and about half were good. You know, So God gave them kings according to their own hearts, but we live in a democratic nation and we, we, we elect our kings. We elect those ones who rule and reign over us. 
So let's bring this ancient historical reference forward to the 21st century. And let's transfer the location to one that is a little bit more familiar to us. Let's, let's transfer it to Australia and probably more specifically Victoria. We, the people, directly elect our kings. And in 2014, the current king was elected by the people. This week, my home state in my city of Melbourne marked what can only be described as the deepest trough, the lowest ebb in the history of our democracy. And not only in the state of Victoria, and not only in all of Australia, but I would put to you that even in the entirety of the free Western world of the last 150 years. And if any of you have been looking at the imagery and looking at the things that have transpired in this state in the last eight days, you would be able to see the depth of uh, evil and depravity that this state has fallen itself into by the government of this state. In Victoria, the Eureka Stockade, almost 170 years ago, was the last time the government imposed evil upon its people. And the difference only being that it was against the colonial authority of the United Kingdom. And the fight led eventually to the institution of political democracy in Australia. No democracy in the Western world has yet come close to the sickening level of this state in 150 years. The only comparisons that we can actually have are in the nations of fascist Italy and Germany during the Second World War and the communist bloc of the nations uh, of those nations over the last hundred years. This week, Melbourne tipped the scales of evil around the world. Um, we are now pridefully the record of the harshest and longest lockdowns in the world. We we cross that line, um, and all this in the name of health. The last eight days had seen the employment of tear gas upon peaceful protesters, police shooting at unarmed civilians while they protested their right to freely choose for themselves medical procedures the state desires to force upon them. The picture of protesters shot at by the state-run militia at the Shrine of Remembrance would have the diggers who fought to retain our liberties turning in their graves. In the morning... We shall remember them, lest we forget. Beloved, it's evident that as you see the pictures of police with their rifles drawn and firing against the unarmed at that very shrine of remembrance that we have forgotten. We have forgotten. Like you, I was sickened at the pit of my stomach as I watched two strong police officers bowl over a grandmother walking with the people last Saturday and together pepper sprayed her while she lay weeping and helpless on the ground. Like you, my gut wrenched as I saw a heavyset police officer tackle another man, non-threatening and unarmed, from behind ramming his head into the tiled floor of the Flinders Street station. Um, the police officer's hand was dripping with the man's blood. Like you, I sat in absolute horror as I watched an armoured truck originally purchased for siege against terrorist purposes rolling down Melbourne city streets with hundreds of heavily clad armed police officers against Melbourne workers. 
who only wanted a public expression of a redress of grievances. That was their, well, up until this medical tyranny, that was their basic human right in a civil society. It was then that I realised I'm no longer living in the same nation that I grew up in. I'm living in the reign of the most evil premier in the history of this nation, more evidently evil than all those who have ever gone before him. And we voted him in. We voted him in. The evil of King Ahab was distinguished from all the kings that were before him. Yet we have the historical record to distinguish our current king from all that have gone before him. Last week's events are simply the natural outflow of the evil that this man has without any morals and without any control. There is no restraint upon the evil that this man is willing to attend to. And I'm just going to deal with one example. One example and one example only of the evil of this man set in 2008. The Honourable Daniel Andrews was the health minister of Victoria at that time. The health minister. And he was the Honourable Minister for the Abortion to Birth Bill when it was legislated. No other state in Australia had such a bill. Victoria led the way in this evil. And the records show that the Honourable Daniel Andrews voted against the following amendments to that bill. Daniel Andrews voted against providing pain relief to a baby that can feel pain while being dismembered during an abortion. He voted against rendering medical care to a child born alive as a result of a failed abortion. Daniel Andrews voted against banning partial birth abortions, the practice of partially delivering a baby and then killing it. He voted against requiring mandatory reporting of suspected child abuse victims at abortion clinics. He voted against requiring information to be provided about the health risks of abortion. Daniel Andrews, the Honourable Daniel Andrews, voted against offering women impartial decision-making counselling. In other words, you, nobody had, no woman had the right to have a balanced perspective on the procedure that she was about to carry out. And he voted against notifying the custodial parent of a child who was seeking an abortion. So it doesn't matter how young the child was, Daniel Andrews voted against the recommendation of letting the parents know that she's about to undergo this procedure. And that's just about one bill in 2008. That's just one bill. Mr Andrews has demonstrated he is willing to afflict his subjects to the fullest extent that he is permitted to do so. He is not limited to lockdowns, to imposing travel restrictions. He's not limited to universal curfews that have never in the history of this nation been imposed universally and all for our own health. Armoured vehicles purchased to use against terrorists, he uses against unarmed protesters. Heavy-clad, shielded and armed police, riot police, used all means but those deemed deadly against unarmed protesters, yet the police commissioners calls the protesters cowards. Our king justified drones flying into every person's backyard last year to ensure that they were doing the right thing. He, he, that's exactly what he said. But he was stopped. Thank the Lord he was stopped. 
Our king wanted to authorize any member of the public to, to forcefully enter any home for any reason last year to ensure that we were all doing the right thing before he was stopped. This is the extent of the evil that if this man had the opportunity to do so, if he had a majority within his own party to be able to do so, he would have done so. He would have done so. Oh, just spend a moment and let that sink in. If he is able to use things today to the fullest extent that they were not even originally intended to, but seems to be somewhat subjective, then how would he not use anything else? I've only just scratched the surface of the evil of this current king and only those handful of items are enough to condemn him as having done evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him in this state. Do we have a responsibility in this? Remember, unlike the kings of Israel, our king was elected to reign. That just sets a similar scene of where we are at today to where Israel was back then under King Ahab. It just sets a, a scene between the two of them. And I wanted to make sure that, that that was understood. There was a time for the people there to choose. And there's a time here for us to choose. Next point is misplaced affections. Misplaced affection. And in verse 21 of First Kings 18, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. The people of Israel had as their representatives no less than 450 prophets of Baal. Um, these were before the evil king and these were called upon to defend their misplaced affections and to verify their validity. This is what Elijah is doing. Elijah is calling them now to verify your validity, verify the validity of those of your worship of Baal. Verify it, prove it, and let's make a choice. Which one is God? Right? Don't halt between two opinions because Christians have got a history of halting between two opinions. One leg in the world, one leg out of the world. One leg looking for the lusts and the privileges of this life and the other leg calling themselves Christians and seeking after the kingdom of God. How long halt ye between two opinions? And we have to choose. And what Elijah is doing, he's demonstrating to the people that their affections are misplaced. Verse 26, have a look at the passage there. And they took the bullock which was given them and addressed it and called upon the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Now, the people of Israel followed these prophets and now they were given an opportunity to see their value. Um, the, the, the revelation of the truth of their affections were their affections misplaced. Have your affections been misplaced? Have you trusted more that man would prosper you than the Lord would? Um, have you desired the goods of this world and sought after that which is of no value in the stead of seeking after that which has eternal value? Are the current impositions that are placed on you by the king of this world revealing to you yet that your affections have maybe been mis misplaced? 
we've been entangled often with the affairs of this life. Have they been worthy of our pursuit? I mean, this is a question that we've got to be asking ourselves. I mean, as we're calling on this world to help us, to continue to prosper us, are we hearing a voice? Is there a response? Is there a response moving in the direction that we want, would want them to move? It wasn't for the people of Israel. There was no voice. There was no hearing of any voice. And even, even, even the things that we have enjoyed with regards to this life. And, I, and I've done a lot of things that I have enjoyed, you know. Um, and I have enjoyed things. Um, we've, we've, had, we've had trips away. We've had holidays overseas. We've had uh, wonderful times with, uh, with friends and with family. And, all, and that's always a blessing. And that's not disregarded. Matter of fact, that's a, that's a blessing of the Lord. Um, the Lord provides for us uh, an income that we may be able to enjoy the fruit of that income. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, what I'm talking about is when all our comfort and all our affections are only focused on those things that the Lord has provided as a fruit, as a blessing to us. We work, we earn a living, and we are entitled to enjoy that living. The, the, the difficulty comes when that is where we obtain our affections. That is where we obtain our comforts. That when then some of those things are taken away from us, um, we not only mourn the loss of it, we sorrow so greatly as if we've lost it all. And yet that's not where we're supposed to be getting our comfort from. Because of all of those things, all of those things that I've done, at best they remain for me a, uh, a pleasant memory. They remain for me today a pleasant memory. I remember them and it's a pleasant memory. But when we're, when we're doing the work of the Lord, when we're, when we're sharing the wonderful hope of everlasting life to just one person, that's not just a pleasant memory. The Bible says that we are storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven that neither moth nor rust nor thieves Neither moth nor rust will corrupt, nor thieves will break through and steal. We are setting up for ourselves an eternal treasure, something in the heavens that will be lasting for all eternity, that we will always gain, that we will always rejoice in, that we will always love, and that we would always have a hope in. It, 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 it is eternal when we're think, see, seeking the things of the Lord. But when we're seeking the things of this world, it's temporary. Again, the best thing that's going to come of it is a wonderful memory. But that's all. It's going to be gone. Jesus beautifully spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4 and he was sharing the gospel of himself to her and the disciples returned with shopping. You know, They came back with shopping, they got their food and, uh, and they said, Master, eat. And Jesus, how did he respond? Do you remember? He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him ought to eat? And Jesus saith unto him, unto them, My meat, my food, is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. What sustained the Lord Jesus Christ was not the food, but the work that the Lord would have him to do. You know, that's what sustained him. That's what kept him going that's what keeps us going that's what gives us joy and a hope to look forward to the following day when our desire and our heart is set upon him to do his work it gets us up the next morning who else can i share the gospel with who can i bless with something 
Who can I share a hope with or the potential for hope? Who can I come across today that might see the hope that I have in the Lord Jesus Christ that would give me an opportunity to give an answer for the hope that I have if they should ask? You know, these are the things that we need to be seeking after. And these are the things that no one can take away from us. No one can take away from us. Imagine, imagine if they took everything from you, everything, all your possessions, everything that you have, and the only thing that you have left is your hope in the Lord. You have everything. And you know the other thing that's a real cool thing with that, with that is? Um, they can't take away anything more. You know? I mean, if in the end your comfort and your joy is in the Lord, um, they can't take that from you. They have tried. You know, we've got history of them trying to do that, but they can't take it. A matter of fact, even the worst thing that they can do, and that is to kill the body, um, ushers us in to the realization of that hope that we have. That's the wonderful blessing. Everything that we have today is temporary. It'll get, it's going to get burned up anyway. So our hope shouldn't be in the things that are temporary. Our hope should be in, let's choose. We've got a choice to make. Be careful about our misplaced affections. Have your affections been misplaced? And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is in a journey or peradventure. He sleepeth and must be awaked. I don't know if you've ever had a bit of a laugh when you actually saw that and read that. One verse here is enough to tell you that there is an error in misplaced affections. Here we see Elijah mocking the efforts of the mad prophets And in our day, it's our restrictions that mock us. Our restrictions mock us. Our families cannot gather together. We cannot share a meal together. We cannot celebrate a birthday or a wedding or even a funeral. But we can meet at Dan Murphy's in numbers unlimited. You know, we're being mocked. We're being mocked. We can't meet with friends for a meal, but I can meet with a prostitute. Seem to be able to do that without any problem if I want to. Not that I, you know, I'm just using an example here. I can drink a beer without a mask. I can't drink a beer without a mask, but I can drink coffee freely. You know? I need to social distance six feet before entering into a plane in an open lounge, but I can sit next to the people that I was standing behind in the plane in a closed confined space you were being mocked i can travel up to five kilometers in a car with my family but i can't travel six kilometers on my own for for my own health reasons i don't know about you but i hear elijah mocking i hear elijah mocking the vaccines protect you from viruses but not if someone near near you has a virus we got that? So the vaccine protects us from viruses, but not if someone near you has a virus. Okay. One, this is an important one. One death matters if a person dies with a virus. But 556 people dead by the vaccine for the virus is just collateral damage. Again, I hear Elijah mocking. I hear him mocking. The affections of many remain in this world, however. Regardless of the mocking, regardless of the 
We're seeing our, our affections here in this life and in this world mocking us by these restrictions that have been imposed on us. And yet, for some reason, we think that we just need to put in maybe, maybe a little bit more effort in spite of the mocking. We still need to try and find something in this world to live for in this world. So we turn onto all these other things saying, I could still get some good satisfaction out of life. I'll just turn to alcohol or I'll turn to some entertainments or I'll, this is a good opportunity to just sit here and do nothing and play games all day. Um, there's, there's, you know, because I'm still wanting, I can read novels all day. I, can, I might be able to learn something while I'm here. Let's learn a new language. Again, we're trying to find hope in this world. This is a natural tendency of the world to do. It's not a natural tendency of those of us who are called by the Lord to do his work. We should be using this as opportunities to be sharing the hope that's found in him. Because everything else is temporary. What do we see as an example here? Well, let's turn back to our text. Have a look at verse 28. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blush gust gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that there was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. We seem to double down in our affections of this life when there are yet no adequate results. Mocked by our own efforts and yet attending to those same efforts with even greater fervency. And the result? There was neither voice nor any to answer nor any that regarded. The reason? Our affections are misplaced. Our affections are misplaced. An evident confirmation. Verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, as great as wood contained two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran down about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. It's as if Elijah wanted to give the people who were witnessing some handicap. Um, it, they were able to. They were able to set their offering dry, and and pray that their God would consume it by fire, uh, so that they can be affirmed. Elijah soaked his offering. We offer the world our lives. And we say, bless me, for I have given myself to you in the hope that we might be gratified. Um, God wants us to die to the world. Jesus said, he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. The people of this world will die in their sin to the damnation of their soul. But those who will turn to Christ have the forgiveness of their sin to inherit everlasting life. Elijah is demonstrating that here he's setting up that no matter what the obstacles are, no matter what the perceived obstacles are in the minds of the people, um, he is demonstrating that God will show himself strong, irrespective of the handicap I might place 
before him. Because God is God. He is the real God, not Baal. We are to worship the Lord, not the world. We, we, we offer everything to the world in the hope that we might be gratified. And here's God showing himself strong in spite of the trouble that we might have in the world. And Elijah here wants to prove him, wants to demonstrate him, wants to show him, wants to reveal him. And the Lord wants to do that to you and I today. He, he wants to show himself strong. He wants to reveal himself to you. Even while you're sitting there thinking, you know, can God actually bless me during this time? Can, 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 I, can I grow in my faith during this time? Can God provide for me that which the world is taking away from me? Can God do more than that? And Elijah's trying to demonstrate that. He's trying to show you that that's exactly what he can do. Have a look at First Kings, in, have a look at verse 36. And it says, And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart Again, back again. It will not be until we turn our affections to the Lord again that we plead and that we pray and that let we let His work be done. He is the Lord and we trust in His work, His way for His will. And we rest in Him. And our affections are turned to Him. Our hearts are turned back again. There is a time that we are um, to repent of our own sin with searching after the things of this world. And, and I have to admit to you, you know, in, in my own sorrow, watching the things develop within my own state, um, it's been difficult. It's, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor and, you know, there's, there's people that would look and say, you, you should have it all together, pastor, you know, because yeah, you're the pastor. But, but I, I struggle as well because I see a loss of something that I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Am I burdened for my own loss or am I burdened for the loss of the people? Am I sorrowful because I see and can experience within my own heart the pain that many people are going to go through? I, to be honest, I really don't know. Have my, my affections been tied to this world and, and it's my own thing that I'm sorrow, sorrowing for the loss of? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, like a lot of people, I sat there and watched the grand final yesterday, you know, and and Melbourne won. <laughs> wow, <laughs> talk about a high point, you know. After fifty-seven years, the Melbourne football team won. So in one in eight days, we've got a trough and a peak, you know, and. You know, I wasn't I wasn't mourning because I wasn't at the game. I wasn't mourning because you know it wasn't in Melbourne. Uh, there was none of that was there. I enjoyed the game. I got distracted like everybody else did, and it was good. It was good fun. But when I sorrow the way I've been sorrowing this week, is it because of my own affections, or is it because I I'm sorrowful for the people of that are suffering? And I, and I guess to me it is the latter. Because I know where my hope is. I know that my hope is in the Lord. 
And I don't, I don't mourn that loss. But I can't say that I'm not impacted by it in some way. The glory that we need to be putting our hope in needs to be in the Lord. Um, he longs to show himself strong and he longs to show himself trustworthy to those who first put their trust in him to the exclusion of all else. God is a jealous God. He will not give his glory to another. Isaiah wrote, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. You cannot serve both God and mammon, you need to choose, and it's time to do so. And see God reveal himself. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. Beloved, there's coming a time very soon when the Lord will reveal himself. When there will be an evident confirmation of him and every knee shall bow to him and every tongue shall confess to God that Jesus Christ is Lord. That time is coming. And there is a time to choose. And it's important to choose now. It's important to choose now. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let none of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon, and he slew them there. Jesus spoke of the signs of the times when his judgment of this world looms near. The result, Elijah dealt with will be also there at that time. But it won't just be the prophets. It won't just be the leaders of the world who will be judged. It will be all those who follow them. And no one will escape the day of vengeance of our God. That time is coming upon this world. And it is right now a time to choose. Either you're still hoping in the affections of this world and you're still hoping that this world is going to gratify you, or you will turn to the Lord, turn to the one who created you for a purpose to fulfill and to live by. Turn your affections to him. It is a time to choose. And the last point, that's a short one. It is a time to choose. Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Verse 41. The false gods of this world can never give to you the joy, the hope, the everlasting comfort of the Lord. It's as if God purposefully restrained the rain that we might seek after him alone. The people were worshipping a God, the God of rain. And God purposefully stopped the rain to check people's affections to the God who actually has control over the rain. Today is the same. Our, the, God has checked our joy in this life because he is the one that provides all the joy that we need for life, for everlasting life, not just temporary life, but eternal life. He's stopped that in order for us to be able to choose him and not this world for our affections. Right now in this day, you can hear Elijah asking the question, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. It's time, it's time to choose. I want you to honestly look at this, um, at this world and ask yourself truly if you see 
any 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 hope in it. Um, listen, listen to the world. Listen to the world mock you of any of any of any false affection you you might have toward toward it, and and ask yourself the question, Christian. If you're a Christian, either you will live full throttle for the Lord, or for a world that is dying. But choose one. Choose one. Don't, don't have one foot in one camp and the other foot in another. Because it's not comfortable sitting on the fence. It's, it's not a comfortable way to... It's not a comfortable posture. You know, we either have to decide. Either we are in the world and we are going to try and live for the world and try and, try and better this world, which we already know what the Bible speaks about at the end of, or we are going to live for the Lord. It is a time to choose one, or we choose the other. And it was, a, and it's it's something that, you know, I, I sat with 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 Maria, my wife, at the kitchen table, and um, it was yesterday, and I said the same thing: How are we going to live? You know, we 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 got to choose. Either we're going to be living full throttle for the Lord, or we're going to keep living with, you know. A hope of this world that might continue to disappoint us, you know. And thankfully, Maria, Maria said we need to live full throttle for the Lord. That's that's it. That's it. For those of you who don't know the Lord, but are seeking this world for 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 what it is, you have been mocked enough by the kings of this world. You've been mocked enough. Um, and the rulers here continue to mock you and they'll continue to promise you a vain hope. You know, they'll continue to promise you that if you only do this, then we can all share a beer, you know. And if you only do this, then we can all go out and we're all okay. And if we only reach this target, then you can all have the freedoms that they stole from you. Um, as long as, as long as you're happy to pay that ransom, all good, you know, no dramas, we'll give it back to you. You know, we'll give, give you back that freedom. Um, you can either either vainly continue to hope in that promise, which has been broken again and again and again. Because uh, remember, we've been in lockdown now three months. It began with three days. It was three days, three to five days was the promise, right? Everything is the thin end of the wedge. Every promise is a thin end of the wedge. And it will only end up splitting apart um, our lives. The choice for you is a real one. The choice is one of life and death. You have a choice of eternal life in Christ who forgives you of your sin if you will confess it, if you will bring it to the Lord. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Choice. There is a choice there. There is a choice there. And I can't make you choose. All I can do is lay it before you. Turn your Bibles to Joshua 24. Last passage we're going to be turning to. Famous passage and one that, that fits perfectly well. The book of Joshua. It is in the Old Testament. It's immediately after the book of Deuteronomy. The sixth book. It's just when they enter into the land, just before they enter into the land. So if you get to Deuteronomy, you've gone too far back. It's the next one after. Joshua 20. We'll go to uh, chapter 24. This, um, this choice was given long ago by a person of God to the people of God. And the same is laid out for you this day. 
Joshua chapter 24, and have a look at verse 15. Joshua speaking to the people here. He says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Jesus is coming soon for those who have chosen him. And he's coming to take them to be with him until the indignation be overpassed, Isaiah says. Those who choose the world, however, will remain to endure its fruit until the Lord comes to make evident what fruit it is when he comes to judge it. The choice is yours. The choice truly is yours. But choose wisely. Choose wisely. Maranatha, let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I know in every way, dear Father, the message was challenging this morning. And, but there is nevertheless a choice laid before us. And it's a choice, dear Father, that we have to make a decision upon. To those, dear Lord, who are yours, I pray that they would choose you and that they would run 100% towards the work that you would have them to do. To not be fearful in this world, not be fearful in this life, but to move and to do those things that you have called them to attend to. Next week, dear Lord, as I preach about the faith that we have and why we can truly move in that direction, I pray, Father, that first the choice is made. For those who don't know you, dear Lord, I pray that they would also choose wisely, that they would choose everlasting life and that they would seek after you with all their heart. And I ask and pray, dear God, that as this week develops, I pray, that that choice would be increasingly evident as one that is required to be made for all of us. Strengthen us, dear Lord, and help us rejoice all the more in you and glorify your name through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm.